0: Welcome back to Shnai Mikrah, the OU podcast series on Parshat Tashavua. This is Menachem Littag, and in today's share, we continue our study of Parshat Korach with Sheni, the second aliyah, beginning in Perek Tadzaim, Pasuk Yodalad, chapter 16, verse 14. Recall from yesterday's shir that Moshe Rabbeinu had summoned Datan Baviram to come up to him, most likely to the moed. They responded that they are not coming up. And let's begin our share with the last pasuk of the first aliyah, because the first plastic of today's Aliyah, is a continuation of that response. They told Moshe, it's bad enough that you took us away from a land flowing in milk and honey. In other words, you took us out of Egypt in order to kill us in the desert. Now you're putting yourself above everybody. Who gave you the right to take leadership to put yourself above everyone? You've been a failure as our national leader. On top of that, they continue to complain in Pasek Yadawad, where today's Aliyah begins. Af, You did not bring us to a land flowing in milk and honey as you promised when we left Egypt. Nor did you give us an inheritance of fields and vineyards like you promised when we would come to the land of Israel. Do you think that you can poke out the eyes of those men, in other words, do you think that you can fool us and continue to mislead us in this manner? We are not coming up. In other words, they're saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, we do not accept your leadership and we're not going to take any suggestions from you at all. We're going to see, as the story continues in tomorrow's Aliyah, that Tatan and Aviran have their own party headquarters and they're suggesting alternate leadership to Moshe Rabbeinu. In the next Pasuk, we're going to find Moshe Rabbeinu's response to these brazen remarks. Moshe became very angered by this response. He turns to God and says, Please do not turn or accept their present or offering. I did not take away from them, or embezzle any animal of theirs, even a donkey. I did not do anything evil or bad to any of them. No, Tamosh Rabbeinu doesn't respond to Tatan and Aviram. He can't because they're not coming to him. They simply sent him a note of why they're not coming. When Moshe Rabbeinu receives their message of why they're not coming, he realizes that they are challenging his leadership. He turns to God because their claim sounds very strong. And He turns to God and says, I've indeed been a good leader. I never did anything to harm them. I did not embezzle. I was not... Unfair in my leadership, there was no corruption, and their complaint against me is not founded. The last point he tells God, asking him not to turn to their offering to their mincha, is very difficult to explain. Recall that Datan and Aviram are not participating in this test of the 250 men; they don't come to bring the So why is Moshe Rabbeinu responding to Datan and Aviram? So why is Moshe Rabbeinu responding to Datan and Aviram, saying please don't accept their offering? It could be the Moshe Rabbeinu is now referring to Korach and his group and the 250. But that would be difficult because k'torit is not a Mincha. A Mincha is either a flower offering or a present. A k'torit is a very specific type of offering of incense. It's not referred to as Mincha. It's not a flower offering. On the other hand, we're going to see later on in tomorrow's Aliyah that Tatan and Aviram have a party headquarters which is referred to as Mishkan Korach Tatan Baviram. It could be that not only are Datan and Aviram offering alternate political leadership, they may have even a mishkan of their own where they're bringing korbanot to God. And Moshe Rabbeinu is facing the most difficult crisis of his career, where not only is there alternate leadership, but alternate methods of praying to God. Moshe Rabbeinu, hearing these complaints, but knowing that he's been faithful in his leadership, turns to God and begs that he remain leader and not allow these rebels to take over. We should also note, based on this Pasek, the connection between the story of Korach and Haftarad with Chazal chose for Parsha Korach from Shmuel Aleph Therikid Bet when the Navish Shmuel publicly anoints Sha'ol to become king over Israel. Before anointing the king, he comes clean with the people, showing Sha'ol how a proper leader should act, and he asks the people publicly, He asked the people, answer me, in front of God and in front of his new king, his Mashiach, now Shaul, did I ever embezzle from anyone? Did I take an ox or did I take a donkey? And the people answer and say, you indeed have not done anything wrong. Shmuel is hoping that Shaul will learn from his example. There's even a deeper connection between the Haftarah and the story of Shmuel and the story of Korach, because if you follow the genealogies of Korach in the book of Dithir HaYamim, you'll see that Shmuel the Navi is a descendant from Korach, in fact, Rashi points out that one of the reasons that led Korach to begin his rebellion was his understanding that he should be of a higher leadership position because one of his great-great-grandchildren is going to become the famous Navi Shmuel. And among his other grandchildren will be the composers of many Prakim and tilim of the Lamatzek Livnei Korach. Note as well that Shmuel reforms the priesthood, something that Korach is claiming for personal reasons, Shmuel is actually doing for true reasons. The priesthood is indeed corrupt in the time of Shmuel. The sons of Eli are misusing their leadership. Shmuel's first job is to reform the priesthood and the people working in the Mishkan. Later on in his life, Shmuel also reforms the political leadership and it becomes his job to make sure that the king follows God in the proper manner. He establishes the monarchy and also establishes the way in which the monarch is supposed to act. So we see there's many connections between Shmuel and Korach and that's most likely reflected in Chazal's choice of Haftarah from Shmuel Aleph, Yud Yudbet. Let's continue now with our story as the focus shifts from Moshe Benu's response to Tatan Baviram, who were complaining about his political leadership, and goes back to his response to Korach and the 250 men who claim that they have the right to bring Korbanot as well. Pasik Tetzain, Vaymar Moshe Korach. Moshe now responds once again to Korach, Ata v'cho adatecha, Hayu lifnei Adonai, you and your entire group, referring to the 250 men, should come before God tomorrow. That is to the Mishkan. Atah v'hem You, they, the 250, and Aaron, should all be there tomorrow. A total of 252 people. Uchu ish Each person should take his fire pen. Untatem alehem k'toret. Put the incense on each fire pen. V'kraftem l'fnei Adonai ish each person should offer this incense in front of God on this firepan. These 250 firepans of the 250 men, and you and Aaron, each their own firepan. Each person took the firepan, as Moshe had commanded. Just as Moshe commanded, the next morning, each person brought the firepan, put fire on it, and offered incense. They all stood in front of the entrance to the Tent of Meeting, together with Moshe and Aaron. Everyone's waiting now. Will God accept these notes? What will be the outcome? I don't think anyone is expecting anyone to die. But because there's so much excitement and so much interest, will God accept these offerings of people who are not priests? Because of the popularity of this request, Korach now gathers additional people around the Mishkan to watch. Now the entire congregation, or a large group of the people of Israel, gather el petach They come to the entrance of the Omoid to watch what will be the outcome of this big test. And then suddenly, the glory of God comes down to the entire congregation. Here, once again, the Aliyah abruptly ends, leaving the reader in suspense. What's going to happen? What will be the outcome? Of this test. Tomorrow in Shlishi, the third Aliyah, we'll see how God responds to this test of the Torah, what the outcome will be, and how Moshe and Aaron are going to pray that God not be so harsh with his people.